Welcome back to the Upper Tier Podcast, the football podcast we bring you each and every week on the Dynamo Podcast Network. Head over to YouTube, smash that subscribe and bell notification button. Joining me tonight for our mid-term report card, Manchester United, our guest and resident referee, the man from Hogan Elite Trophy Horror. Get over there on Facebook if you have any silverware requirements for your special occasion, as always. And Mark, I'll sort you out. Mark, how are we doing? How's it going, Noel? Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah. Thankfully, we don't have to discuss VAR tonight, so that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Or maybe we need to. Who knows? Um, Definitely. definitely. (laughs) Let's get into this anyway. So we said we'd drop a mid-season or a mid-term report card because we're staring into two weeks of fantastic international football. You can tell how excited we are for it here on the upper tier. Um, On your boys in green. Let's have a chat about (laughs) you. Yeah, absolutely. Let's have a chat about United so far. Um, seven games in, 14 points. Um, kind of stuttering on their way through games, has to be said. Um, and I, I kind of don't know what to make of it, really, because what's happened with Oli now is they've armed him with all the tools that he needs, and there seems to be problems still there. Before you before you get into this season alone, I suppose when Mourinho was there, it was toxic, and something had to change. There's no doubt about that. Um, so Ollie came in and he had a tough job to do. Fair to say to kind of settle things down, figure out where the club was at, get it back to thinking the United way. And you can touch on this because you'd know the United way more than I would, obviously, in terms of what that means. Mm. Um. But, I mean, what's, what's your overall thinking so far? Yeah, look, you can see what he's trying to do. He's obviously, he's been here before. He's managed the, the, at youth level here. He's managed Pogba in the underage setup as well. He knows the DNA of the club. But it's one thing knowing it, and it's another thing trying to get across, you know. Um, tactically, I think he's still a bit naive. Um, he, he doesn't know his best starting eleven. You know, in the first seven games, we haven't had one starting eleven. In consecutive games, there's been different, you know, variations. We've had Matic starting in the CDM position twice, once with Fred, once with uh, Pogba, obviously when Matt Kamenei was injured. Greenwood has played left, he's played right, he's played up front. You know, when you're watching, as a supporter, when you're watching the matches, you, you don't know what the game plan is, you don't know what he's trying to achieve, you know. You look at the Leeds game, I know we won 6-1, but then you look at the games after that, and you realise that that Leeds game was a bit of a fluke. It was one of these one-in-a-million games that you, you can never predict. And, yeah, I just, like I said, I, I just think he's tactically naive. And, you know, like you said, he has all the tools there. Um, obviously, Ronaldo coming in, it's a, it's a, obviously, it's a breath of fresh air, but it brings a whole different dilemma at the same time, you know, because... You're not going to be able to play Ronaldo and Cavani in the same team, you know. Ronaldo's not the the type of player that can play on the left hand side and, and Cavani in front. You've seen him when he switched over to the left there on the on Wednesday night. He he didn't look interested at all, you know. Yeah. So it's it's yeah, so hard, like you know. And the one the one thing that I always look at an hour before kickoff and I see Fred and McTominay starting together it just I don't know what he sees in Fred I know Fred gives a lot of energy to the team but that's all he gives you know he can't give a six yard pass never mind anything else um, McTominay I, I think McTominay can do that role on his own I really do um, because he he's played he actually started his career as a forward 
in the youth system. They push him back to central midfield, and even in the youth setup, he's had to play at centre half sometimes, as he had with Scotland as well. So I think he's well capable of playing that on his own. Um, he, he should be able to play Pogba beside him, but obviously Pogba would would, would tell you himself he, he'd rather have the freedom of playing from that left hand side, which he has a few times this season already. So it's just a conundrum, like you know. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at the form there going down through the first. I don't know what it is. Maybe eight, nine games at this stage. Maybe ten. And um, the last six games, three losses, a draw, and two wins. Um, wouldn't be encouraging now, would it? Um, in terms of when you look at the start of the season, you look at the players that have come in, and obviously Sancho's mm-hmm. going to take time to settle by the looks of things. Ronaldo doesn't need time to settle at all. He's absolutely world class. Cavani is there. Ferran has come in. I mean, you've assembled a serious squad there again now that should push a title, a title chase, shouldn't it? Really? Definitely. Like, and I just wanted to say on the Sancho thing, I think a lot of people forget the abuse he got over the summer. You know, we we've often we've given the light to Saka, which you know you should do on Rashford, but not a lot of people have talked about Sancho. So I think that affected his form coming into the start of the season, if I'm being honest with you. Mm-hmm. The amount of abuse he got online, that's not something you brush under the carpet or you can, that's always going to be in his head. Mm-hmm. You know, he has been given an opportunity. I don't, obviously we haven't seen the best of him yet. It, it does take a settling in period. I know he played for City and all over here, but it's a totally different game. He, he, he I think he'll need more minutes under his belt and uh, he'll settle in. But, yeah, like I said, after the Leeds game, the Southampton game was just one of those, like, last season. You know, we had to go 1-0 down to start playing. Mm. That's it's happened too many times. You know, you look at the Wolves game, we won 1-0, but that could have went... any If Wolves had someone that could finish on the day, yeah. and if they had Triori, who could do something in the final third, we would have been well beaten on the day, you know? Yeah, I remember that uh, game, you would have been 3-0 down nearly a half-time. Absolutely, you know, and again, you look at that Southampton game, even at one all, they, they still had their chances, you know, like War Prowse, uh, you know, we know how dangerous he is at set pieces and stuff like that. If they, you know, if they even at one nil, they had chances. If they went to him and look, that's a totally different game. Like I said, we need to go one nil down to, to start playing, which is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous when you look at it. The Newcastle game, I think, obviously, we had an extra spring in our step with the Ronaldo debut. And, but even in that game, at one, we just scored before half time. We came back out and we were too open. Newcastle caught us on the break and then they could have had a second as well. So that game could have went anyway. I know we won 4 1. It looks flattering and all that, but that still could have went anyway, that game as well. And then, uh, you know, you know, you look at um, you look at the. I know we've had a tough, we've had a tough kind of month or so in, in terms of fixtures. But every every club's going to have that over the course of the season. Mm. They always say it balances itself out, you know. But yeah, it's just it's just been frustrating to watch. Absolutely. Yeah, I suppose I think when the fixtures came out first, I mean, United fans would have been very buoyant looking at those first seven games. Mm-hmm. I mean. I always, I always said it is tricky going away to Southampton and all. Well, you know yourself as a, as a Liverpool yeah. fan, and um, even the likes of West Ham away and stuff like that. They are tough games, like you know. Yeah, but I'm just thinking, and, and I mean, even the Everton game the other day. I mean, Everton will always put a fight up against anyone, you know. Um, but I'm just looking at it, I'm thinking, like, you haven't had to face Chelsea yet. You haven't had to face City. You haven't had to face Liverpool. You haven't had to face Arsenal. Um, you haven't had to face Spurs. 
Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the biggest teams you've probably faced in it are what I mean, Leeds you blew away, but Leeds on the first day looked like they were still in pre season, to be honest. Look, at, um, that, that's just a fluke of a game that was. Yeah. You look at the result, the results after that game, mm. and, and like, I mean, West Ham away would be a good result. Mm. Um, and the Aston Villa one obviously will be disappointing at home, but again, they're probably the two biggest teams you've played West Ham and Aston Villa. Mm. If you park the Leeds result, that they look like they were still in pre season, even though you, you had to blow them away, still, yeah, you still have yeah. to go out there and do your job. Um, there's another one for you, Noel. Sorry for cutting across you there. Yeah, no, go Bruno ahead. Fernandez played mm. unbelievable in that game. What has he done since? Yeah, genuinely, what has he done since? Well, see, I, I suppose what happens is when you, when you look at your squad and last year you brought in Bruno, so that was a step up. So he looks like an absolute star when he's beside those guys, you know. But then this year you bring in Varane, you bring in Ronaldo, you bring in Sancho. And then you kind of, when you're around those guys, you can kind of look ordinary. And yeah. It's not necessarily that you've become a bad player. And I know probably second season in or whatever it is, you want Bruno to step up and become so much more. And with mm. those better players around him, he should step up and become so much more. But I, you I, know I, he has it in him. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I find with Fernandez, would I be right in saying he's more a confidence player than, you know, like like with Ronaldo, you know, he's going to show up most times. He's going to put in it. He's going to put in a decent shift. He's going to create moments of world class and stuff like that. I think with Bruno, I was listening to a Man United fan on one of the socials there the other day, and he was saying he needs to stop playing these passes from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Hmm. These ones where he's trying to play these global passes all the time yeah, and just yeah. play simple football and play in through the lines and in through the spaces, and he'll look way better. Um, yeah, you can always tell by him as well. Even yesterday, there was a tackle, and uh, he went through the play. I don't know who he tackled, but... Uh, he started claiming to the referee he got the ball and he clearly didn't. He went through the player and got, you know, the player hit off yeah. the ball. But it was a foul. But then he's moaning at the referee for the next five, ten minutes off the ball then, you know, anytime yeah. he runs by him. That, that, we didn't see that at the start when, when he signed for us last January, but he, we started to see it at the end of last season, in particular yeah. the, the Europa League final against mm. Villarreal. Yeah, and I think a lot of those challenges as well are out of frustration, aren't they? Mm. It's not like... I mean, I don't think Bruno Fernandes is a dirty player. I think he's solid and he wants to get in and get stuck in. Hmm. But I don't think he's dirty that way, if you know no. what I mean. And I think a lot of that times when he plays a dirty one, it's more out of frustration with yeah, his own exactly. performance as yeah, well. Yeah, as yeah, hundred percent. And um, I think I, I think it was uh, I think wasn't it Darren said it last week that we have been relying on moments mm. in games. You know, there's no fluidity at times. You know, there's no yeah. goal. You seen yesterday, even when we went 1-0 uh, up, we didn't look like we wanted to go out and get a second. And then in the second half, we came out and it just looked like we were just, you know, going through the motions. Yeah. It, it, there was no, like I said, no fluidity. There was no passion. There was no energy. We just looked sad. I don't know where, you know, and again, he all I did make changes from midweek. You know, but what is he, like, you got Lingard, who had an absolutely fantastic game, I thought, against uh, West Ham and the Carabao Cup. Yeah. leaves him on the bench you, you know you've got Donny, Donny van der Beek again I think Darren mentioned that he had a great game he's left on the bench what did what do these players need to do to get into the starting 11 you know yeah it's 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 something that I wanted to touch on in terms of squad management and stuff like that and especially the Donny van der Beek situation because I can't figure that out at all I think if he got more game time I think he would be exceptional yeah. and I, I think I, I listened to Darren talk about that like moments you know moments FC and there's a lot of that on socials at the moment mm. but when I was looking at it the other day I, I looked into it a little bit deeper 
And I was thinking, um, you know, what way, like if you bring in this amount of quality, like you've brought in Maguire, who we know, you can see when he's not there now, the difference that he makes. In the past, we would have turned around and said, well, maybe he wasn't the 80 million signing that he was and he was yeah, yeah. kind of average and he was cut out at times and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And now you see, now you see that he's not in the squad. We can see that he is a world-class defender. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But when you're bringing in the quality of that and then you bring in Varane and then you bring in Bruno and then you bring in Ronaldo and Cavani and Sancho, who's still trying to bed in. And you also have Greenwood there, who's outstanding footballer. You have Rashford to come back. Martial occasionally chips in when it suits him type of thing. Mm. Um, but then you, you have Pogba there, of course, as well. But then mm. in, bet- in between that then, you kind of have Fred and you kind of have McTominay, where you're kind of expecting the play to start from, mm. if you like, if you know what I mean, from the pattern yeah. of play. And, and obviously Shaw's there as well, who's absolutely outstanding mm. as well. So it is, is it that whole McTominay-Fred thing that's kind of dragging the level down and making it look disjointed to have to create moments to make things happen? Mm. Or is it that the world-class players are having to drop back, take control of the ball off these guys because they don't trust them to make things happen so it mm. looks like it's moments and not necessarily a pattern of play? Yeah, no, it's, figure it's, it out, you know? Yeah, but like the whole McTominay-Fred thing, I think it's just... Like I, I said this before, if, if it's okay to play them too, if you're playing against the likes of Man City, if you're playing Chelsea, if you're playing Liverpool, where you need to be, you know, stop and play. When you're playing them at home against Aston Villa and Everton, you've got serious problems. And mm. that comes from the manager. You know, Donny van der Beek came out in an interview two weeks ago saying he, he played for Ajax in that number six role, that he'd be able to play there. You know, he is just going for minutes. And it doesn't look like he can do anything at all to change Solskjaer's mind to get, you know, get rid of McTominay and Fred. Because, like I said, I think McTominay can do that job there. You can play, you know, obviously play McTominay there or you can play like a Van der Beek or a Pogba off and give them a little bit more freedom because he, you know, McTominay, he is a very good kind of player to sit in front of the back four. Because, like I said, he is just defensively minded as well. And again, if you give him a bit of freedom, he can like say a forward. You know, we seen him against Leeds last season. He could have had a hat trick in the first twenty minutes. He pops up with a goal here and there, and he can get an assist. Mm. But it's just, it, and you can see when they're in front that I don't know whether it's a confidence thing, but you seen Varane and Lindelof yesterday. They look like two DDS schoolboy under twelve defenders at times. How separate they were. There was no communication there. And that that's all starts from from them too, I, I believe, in front of them. Yeah, and, and I mean the thing about it, I mean, not to do Lindelof a disservice either as well, but we've seen a couple of goals go in as well that have been Varane's fault. Um and we know with him coming oh, no, in, absolutely. with him coming into the Premier League as well, there's gonna be a settling in period as well for him because this is a league like no other league that these guys are played in. And it doesn't matter what your history is or what your career is, you can come in and have won any amount of Champions Leagues and World Cups and all this kind of thing. It doesn't mean anything when you hit the Premier League. When you hit the Premier League, Guys are going to go in on you. It's a oh, fast yeah. pace. It's intense. It's strong. It's a proper battle in there like none of these guys have experienced. Yeah. Um, and, how, and, many, how many times have we seen world-class players come in here? You know, the likes of Valkyrie, Di Maria, they just yeah. don't settle. Absolutely. There's nothing else you can do, you know? Um, what What about in terms of, let, let's talk about his coaching staff there. Obviously, Carrick is there and McKenna and all and. I mean, what's your feeling on that? I mean, is that, I mean, all you sort of really come out and said, well, you know, I don't really take care of the coaching. 
and this kind of mm. thing. These guys coach and stuff like that, which is kind of to me is a bit of a get out. Um, yeah, yeah. But what what's your feeling on the quality of what's there? I mean, obviously, we know how good Michael Carrick was as a player. And, mm. and we know the time that McKenna has spent there and stuff like that, that he's enshrined mm. in the club. Um, obviously, uh, Mike Phelan is there as well. So Mike we, have, we have, obviously, a Mike Phelan, we have a kind of a, a bit of the past there, you know. He mm. worked, him and Rene, and worked under Sir Alex for, for such a long time. And yeah. again, he's one of these that has played, that has, you know, coached at the youth level and, at United down at the cliff and stuff like that. So he knows the DNA. Carrick, yeah, absolutely, Um from what I hear, he's a he's a fantastic coach behind the scenes in, in the Aon complex. McKenna, I wouldn't know as much obviously as the others, but yeah, like you have all this around you. And what gets me actually, do you know what? I just want to say something. You seen yesterday, Rafa Benitez, when it was one all, he was at the sideline, he was encouraging his players. Like Solskjaer was in the dugout watching his little screen in from the dugout, like. Mm. That's as a United fan, that's not what I want. I want to see him on the line screaming at the players, show a bit of passion, you know. Um, but yeah, it's just what it, I looked at it as well earlier. Like, we are seven points better off now than we were at this point last season. So, you know, you look at it and think, right, did were we that were we really that bad last at the start of last season, or are you know, are, is there an improvement from this season? But I don't see it, I don't see the improvement to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I think what's driven that, I mean, if you look, it's 14 points out of 21 so far, right? Mm. But if, if you look at that run of games, if you look at the top four contenders that are there at the moment, you by far have had the easiest run of the first seven games, yeah. yeah. And coming up now, you're staring down the barrel of a very tough run of games mm. without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and, and I mean, that's not to say we know the story that when all, when Solskjaer is under pressure, this is when he steps up to the mark and, and he does the business with the team and they will drive out results there. You know what I mean? We've seen it before when you're really when he's nearly on his knees and you go play City or yeah. you go play a Chelsea or whatever it is, you pick up the points and you get the job done. Mm. But I just well, we shouldn't be getting to that stage, no, you know, that to avoid we should be taking points off the likes of Aston Villa and Everton at home, and that's no disrespect disrespect yeah. to them. Um, but we should be, we shouldn't be having to, you know, be coming in. Obviously, you're, you're going to want to win the bigger games, but we shouldn't have to be coming in going, right, we need to we need to win this to keep in contention, you know. So, you, you have to, again, it goes back to the manager then. You know, what he's doing in these other games. Like I said, if you're playing two CDMs like Fred and McTominay against uh, Villa and Everton at home, you've got problems. It's okay doing against City and Chelsea and, and Liverpool. Yeah, um, because you need, to, you need to be breaking up play. Yeah, your last four games there have been home games. There's a Carabao Cup and a, obviously a Champions League in there. Yeah. Two losses, a draw and a win. And the win against Villarreal, I mean, to be honest, I'm looking oh, at that Villarreal is... game and I'm thinking if Jared Moreno had been on the pitch, Villarreal would have been out of sight. Sure, they could have had two goals in the last four minutes as well, like yeah. uh, catching us on the counter-attack. Um, you know, Dean Henderson pull, or, um, he pulled off a good save, was it? The was man of the match. De Gea, sorry. Um, who, remember they went on the attack. Your man just didn't clip it right. De Gea saved it. That was coming into injury time. But yeah. like, again, we it was a moment at the end. Ronaldo, who I was, I thought was literally going to be taken off five or ten minutes before that. Mm-hmm. And he he does what he does best. And he gets us out of the situation again. But that, that game could have went either way. Yeah, absolutely. I think we were very lucky. And the West Ham game, 
you know, we, we went 1-0 down early enough in the game and I thought to myself, right, we created a few chances, but we didn't stick them away. And, you know, I, I thought a Carabao Cup, you know, you look at Carabao Cup final in February thinking, right, it'd be great to get there, you know, and go for a trophy and at the earliest possible time in the season to take that pressure off them, you know. Yeah. But we couldn't even do that. Yeah, what what do you make, I suppose, of his media duties? I mean, when you hear him talking after games, he seems to be satisfied with the performance that we all see as being poor. Mm-hmm. And also you hear him talking like, I mean, he had a little bit of a meltdown there last week where you could hear the pressure and he was referencing back to the time where Klopp spoke oh, about yeah. the penalties and all this kind of thing. And I thought it was very... Um, I know the way, obviously, Fergie years ago, he used to love to get into this stuff with people. We've seen it with Keegan and with Wenger and down through yeah. the years, of course, you know what I mean? With and Rafa. Rafa and all these managers and stuff, like that, even Mourinho. But um, what 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 do you make of the whole thing where, like, it, it, it's pressure coming through, obviously, because he knows he's been given the crown jewels this year. All the excuses that are there have more or less been taken mm-hmm. away, even though everyone wanted a, a CDM. So apart from that, all the excuses have been taken away. He's been loaded up with a top quality squad. Um, and I just I just wonder, is he feeling it now where now he knows he has to deliver? Um I, th- I think he is feeling the pressure. You can see it in him. Mm. And you know, no offense. I know we call him the baby face of session, but he has aged a lot since he, he took over at Man United. But like again, it goes back to him. You know, we have all the tools there. Ronaldo's in, like they said, Varane's after coming in with Pog. You look actually, you look at the bench the other night, the other day. They showed a great clip of obviously Van der Beek there, and you've Matic, you've Pogba, you've Lingard, you've Ronaldo, and you're looking going. How how can we not get a win against Everton at home? And again, it goes back to him. There is obviously, a, I think the pressure is getting to him. Mm-hmm. I think he can be too nice in his interviews after the game. Sometimes you just want uh, managers to come out and be honest after the game and say, "Listen, we were brutal." I don't know what happened between training on Monday and the kickoff at whatever time on a Saturday morning, but something changed and it wasn't for the better. We were muck. We'll go back in tomorrow. We'll reassess and we'll go again. But he doesn't do that. He, he, you know, it's almost like he doesn't want to admit to himself that we had a bad game or we, you know, we couldn't get over the line. But just something has to give, Noel. You know. Yeah. What, you, what you've seen it down the years, sorry, with, with mm. Liverpool managers, oh, I, yeah. I'm sure you know. Mm. Um, you, you've had your moments yourselves, and it's frustrating as a fan when you're sitting there watching match of the day and he's all noisy, noisy, thinking, oh, yeah, we did well, but you know, we only got a point off everything at home. Yeah, I, I remember, um, especially when Rogers was manager, mm. you know, we'd like draw against West Brom, and it'd be like, I couldn't ask for any more from the lads, and I'm there yeah. going. Are you for real? Yeah, exactly. Are you for real? We just drew with West Brom. Come yeah, on. exactly. You know what I mean? And I, I think when that starts, it, it, it's not a good path to be going down. You're nearly better off. I know you can't really come out and blast players directly, but I think you could talk about the squad or the team as a whole yeah, and say, well, look, absolutely. we didn't show up today. Because I look at that Everton game there, the 1-1 draw, like you had 71% possession to their mm. 29. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you had 13 shots Six on target, day 12 and two. Yeah. You know, passes completed, 591 versus 181. Mm. You know what I mean? And I'm just looking at that, and I'm, I think for so much possession, so much control of the ball, and yet very little output. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, I, and then I'm listening to Ronaldo coming out and saying, 
he doesn't feel that the play is being played the right way. Now, don't get me if I'm misquoting this, but he was saying he didn't feel the play was being played quick enough into him to make mm. him to do what he wants to do. And he was kind of questioning Solskjaer's tactics. Um, and I don't know how that leaked out of the dressing room. But like the only reason I find that stuff leaks is because it's the beginning of someone going out the door, and it's never yeah, a, yeah. and it's never a player. Um, and Absolutely. I'm just I'm just wondering what the, what did you make about him? Like Ollie putting him on the bench yesterday, and then after the game saying, "Well, Ronnie understands this, and he understands we have to do this and all this thing." Like this is the match before an international break. Solskjaer didn't have to worry about resting this guy around. Do you know what's weird, Noel? I actually, I was talking to a mate of mine, Brendan, on Wednesday uh, in the afternoon, and I actually named the team that I thought were playing. It was the exact team that played. And then I was talking to me, Dan Friday night, and I said, I don't think I'll start. So, or or uh, Solskjaer will start Ronaldo uh, tomorrow against Everton. I think he's going to start Cavani. Because like, I'll go back to the point where you can't have the two of them in the same team. But when Cavani came on, we seen, remember, he chased that ball down in the corner that Ronaldo didn't want to, you know, yeah. Cavani had no right to win that ball. Mm. Um, it, it just shows the difference he made. Now, he had a few opportunities yesterday. Pickford obviously pulled off a, a decent save from the, the header. Um, but I, I just had a feeling that he was going to drop him. And he said it to me dad on Friday. He said, I don't think uh, Ronaldo's on the start, which uh, I should have changed my fantasy captain when, you know. Yeah. I should have taken my own advice but yeah listen he, he can I know he's not your average 36 year old but he does have to kind of manage his minutes as well um, even though like we all know he could do it week in week out but there is like I said there is seven games and we haven't played the same starting 11 once that says it all you know yeah I just think if you're coming off three losses and two wins you know what I mean I just think and and if you and if you believe that at the moment you're in this situation where it's moment FC, hmm. he's the guy for moment FC, isn't he? Yeah, There's no other guy. No, absolutely, you know. But obviously, Solskjaer must have had it in his head that he might create a moment from off the bench. Um, that's the only that's the only thing I can think of. But like, like I said, I, I just had a feeling he wouldn't start him for some reason. And um, now, obviously. International break, yeah, you know, and like you said, we've a tough run of features coming up after, so maybe he might have had that in mind. I don't, I don't know, you know, it's, it's hard to know what, what he's thinking at, at the best of times. Again, he must have, in his head, he probably think, thought it was a stroke of genius, but again, it shows you that tactical naivety that, we, that we've been banging on about, and which we've talked about in the Monday Mash quite a, a few times, you know. Yeah. But it is, it's, it's just such a, such a strange kind of. It's such a strange time as a United fan because, like I said, you're watching matches and you're kind of thinking, "What? Way? There's no, there's no kind of plan in place here. What way are we playing?" You know, it's it's um it's very very frustrating, and I can only imagine what it's like in the inside. You, you know, we obviously seen Van de Beek on the bench, didn't look impressed mm. the other night when we made the the final substitution in the in the Champions League there the other night as well. So, yeah, how 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 do you go about? Here's a question for you, I suppose. How do you go about, we talk about this Fergie time and we talk about the culture and Fergie's time there and all that kind of stuff. How do you kind of shed that in the fan base in terms of their expectation? I, I often find when people are critical of, of Ollie, they're critical because they keep on referencing back, oh, when, when Alex was here, we would have done this. And when mm. Fergie was here, we would have done that and all. But like... And I experienced it with Liverpool for years. I mean, for years we lived in the shadow of the boot room and 
you know, all these different errors and of success and stuff like that. And it took us so long to kind of shed that skin. Yes, it's our history. It's mm. so important to us as a club in terms of our stature and our standing in the game. But the game has evolved so much now, hasn't mm-hmm. it? Big time. And I'm know, just wondering, in your, within your own fan base there, because you'd be closer to it than I would be, how, how do you get it through to the fans to understand that era is done? Hmm. The game has evolved and it's different now. And, and even if Alex was still there, no disrespect to him, he's probably one of the greatest managers to ever manage in the game without a shadow hmm. of a doubt. Um, he wouldn't even get away now with the stuff he got away with back then, obviously, hmm. in terms of his management style. Yeah. Um, how do you shed that now and move the fan base on? I mean, we're, we're, we're what, seven, eight years on now from mm. Fergie, whatever it is. Yeah, um, and, and it still lingers, you know mm. what I mean? No, you're right. And looking at social media after every game, there's obviously all the ins and all the outs. And there is there is fans that bring up, say, yeah, Ferguson was given, you know, six years before he won his first trophy. All he needs time and all. But like you said, the game has moved on, you know, it's a results business. It's a, uh, it's a much bigger business than it was back then. There's a lot more money involved, a lot more investments, a lot more companies, you know, a lot more businessmen involved in the game than the, you know, you've seen it back in the day. The looks of Jack Walker. He was a footballer man that had money. He invested, but these are businessmen investing in business nowadays. So I don't. There isn't time, you know. What we got now, like no offense, are we going to wait thirty years before we win it, or you know, what, what way do you want to go? Because Obviously, Mark Robbins scored that goal against Forrest, which kept Ferguson in his job. Remember to to get through that FA Cup game away at Forrest. You know, he he was a different era. We will never see anything like that again. Like, like I said, football has changed. And I think the fans need to get their head around that. Lads on, on Facebook and Twitter writing about, oh, we Ferguson, this, that and the other. Lads, move on. You know, we need to, we need to cop on. Right, say we give let let's say we give Solskjaer more time, right? And can you see him being there twenty years like Ferguson has and won the amount of things that Ferguson had? Because I definitely don't. Well, I don't think he definitely win what Fergie won, um, and I don't expect him to be there twenty years because I don't expect any manager to be in the job. I think twenty no. years of management those days are long gone at this yeah, stage. Yeah, exactly. Because what and happens I, is it's with player power as well now. Because if you culture, if you it? get up the fact players have so much power now, so if you get up the nose or up the back of a player now, he can just sit down and basically spread like cancer through the locker room and cost you your job. Exactly. We've seen it. We've seen it already. I mean, you've seen what happened with Pogba with Jose. I mean, he, he fell out with Pogba big time, wanted him gone. I think he went upstairs and asked for him to be gone and everything mm-hmm. and all. And he just sat down. And when he sat down, it brought the whole team down. And Jose was sailing that ship on his own. Yeah, There's no, no doubt about it. Because the, football, the footballers now are brands, now, aren't they? They've yeah. got the people behind them. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't have got that back in the day. Yeah, you, you had the likes of the great Brian Robson and, yeah. you know, all these players that, that would go for a few points after the game and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's These players, are a lot of players... The agents actually have it. The players believe in they're actually bigger than the clubs now, you know? Yeah. And, and in some cases, and I mean, that's a fair argument as well, because if you think about the players being the foundation of the club, if you weaken one of them, like if Solskjaer comes out and goes, uh, and he has a blast at Ronaldo over comments that have leaked or come out or whatever it is, and Ronaldo just sits down, that'll cost him his job. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it, because the fan base will look at that. They hold Ronaldo in such high regard. And I know Solskjaer with the... The Champions League and the goal and the Bayern Munich stuff and all the history and romance and stuff. 
you'll only get so much mileage out of that. And he's yeah, already milked that. that. He's already milked that big time at this stage, you know? And I think Darren made a good point, I think, was that on the matchup there the other night? If Solskjaer was fired tomorrow, what top European job would he walk into? And the answer is none. Mm. Let, let's be fair, like he wouldn't. So let's, I mean, we're looking in, let's, let's hypothetically look forward. I mean, we're looking at Leicester. If we park the Champions League ones, because I think in the Champions League, I think you'll be okay. I don't see it being a problem. So you've got Leicester coming up, then you've Liverpool, Tottenham, Man City, Watford, Chelsea, and Arsenal. That's a serious run of games. Mm, definitely. Um, what happens if you pop out on the other side of that Arsenal game, say, those seven games or whatever it is, and you're way off the pace? You could be imagine you're out of a out of a title race. Say, let's say you're 10, 12 points adrift, whatever it is, and and the likes of us are Chelsea or Man City are steaming forward. Mm. And and then you get into say the knockout stages of the Champions League and you get busted out of that. Mm. Um, like if I mean if he doesn't deliver this year, I'd like to know what you think of what it means to deliver this year. And if he doesn't deliver this year, I mean, are you in? Are you out? Is the process to continue? What's your feeling on it? Well, obviously, like, you can see what he's trying to do, but it's not working. Um, and like you said, after those seven games, if we're in that kind of predicament, you would have to say, listen, it's time to, to, to end the project and get someone else in and try to recover something from the season. And we'd hope to, to finish in the top four or as, as close enough as possible to qualify for for the Champions League next season. Mm. And like you said, if you got knocked out of the Champions League, it's, you know, we worked so hard to get in there this season that it's just... You, and again, I look, at, I look at it and think, right, you know, Conte's out there, Zidane's out there at the moment. You know, we've again, we've talked about this in the past. And it is now the opportunity to go out and get one of these kind of more experienced, world-class managers in. Um, but these these seven games, I feel, yeah, if, if, if that happens, what you just said there, I think he's gone. Mm. Yeah, I, I think... I think even regardless of the managers that are available, because I think United being such a huge giant of a club, mm. they can even attract in managers from other clubs and work out a deal if they really want them to a point. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not exclusive to Conte and Zidane being available. And and come, say, January, if you like, or come the Christmas period, who knows who's going to be available at that stage as well, the way things are going. I mean, mm. Juve are under pressure, Barca aren't doing too great, Real, all these kind of things, you know, there's lots going on. Even PSG at the moment aren't actually yeah. coming at all, you know what I mean? Yeah. So who knows who could be available? Um, it, it's more the trigger of the change. And I'm just, I'm just wondering... What is it going to take? Because he's been so close a number of times. I mean, I can think of what, at least two occasions where he's been looking over the edge of that cliff and just wasn't mm. pushed. And I'm just wondering, what is it going to take? Because you have a van base there at the moment, and I wouldn't say they're even divided. I'd say there's a lot of people at the moment now. I mean, what are you thinking? Like a 70-30 split, Ollie out, Ollie in type of thing at the moment? Yeah, yeah. From Again, from what you read on social media and Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that, all these, all these fan pages, that there's so many divided opinions. But at the moment, I'm seeing a lot more of one than I am of the other. Mm. And unfortunately, it's the out that I'm seeing a lot more for from, you know... Um, but like I said, there is, there is, listen, there is fans that will say, listen, you stick behind the manager in the club. But it gets to a certain point where if you don't have belief in the manager, you can't actually do that anymore. 
Yeah, you kind of look because I, I kind of go back and I look at what you've brought in. Obviously, David Moyes didn't get the time that he needed, but also I don't know whether he was the right fit or not, to be honest. Then you look yeah. at, yeah. you know, Van Hal came in. It was like a top class manager, you know, mm. won a trophy, you know, mm. did reasonable. Then you see Jose coming in, who we know who's a serial winner, but he's also a serial headbanger in terms of the way things unfold in front of him yeah. and stuff like that, you know. But he did come in, got the team to second, delivered a trophy, and and asked for certain things that he didn't get. He wasn't supported, that were given then after the fact when he left. Now, the only yeah. thing I suppose he asked for that hasn't happened is, and it's come close a few times, would be he wanted Pogba out the door. He thought he was a cancer. Yeah. And obviously Pogba's still there because obviously Oli came in and he had to steady the ship and mm-hmm. dampen everything down and make everything nice and smooth and we love everyone here and all this kind of thing. So it's it's kind of like with Solskjaer, it's it's kind of like if you press the button, is it the is it the Fergie situation where you're just going that bit too early? Mm-hmm. Has he had enough time? What does he have to deliver this year? I mean, he has to deliver a trophy, doesn't he? Absolutely, absolutely. Like, and if uh, he if he delivers an FA Cup, would that be enough? Or does it have for, to be for some fans? I would say it would be enough, but then you have to think. You know, we're in a, in a day and age now. Let let I, I love the FA Cup myself, but for some people, it's not the competition it once was. It's all about the league or the Champions League now for a lot of fans. Yeah. Especially, no, especially, especially at that end, especially yeah. if you're a United or a Chelsea or a Liverpool or a Man City, it's mm. all about the, the the league and the Champions League. The FA Cup, yes, the romance of it and all that, and the lovely day yeah. out of Wembley, and yes, the history of it and stuff that. The Carabao Cup, the League Cup, the same thing. You know what I mean? Okay, there's less history, but again, it is another it's, trophy, and yeah, you're only trophy, and you're yeah. only going for four every season, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So exactly, it has to fall somewhere. But I, I'm just wondering, what's the acceptable point? I mean. I'm looking at United last year coming second in the league, you know, with a massive drop off. Hmm. And I'm thinking, was that position clouded by the fact that we had a COVID year? And I know it was a COVID year for everyone and stuff like that, but there was a lot of teams that dropped off last year. Like we came with a decent run towards the end, but like the end of the season, yeah. we were never in the second of our first place combination. Hmm. We were so far off. How we got toured was a miracle. But you look at United, I mean, Chelsea dropped off. Leicester dropped off as they do. You know, Spurs have dropped off. Arsenal have dropped off. Everyone had kind of dropped off. So was it kind of City won the league kind of by default? Was it United were second by default? Or was it, you know, where you win and you look at a hard-earned campaign where they go all the way through mm. it? Now, I know the league table doesn't lie and everyone experienced yeah, yeah. COVID. But I'm just no, wondering... Yeah, no, I agree with you to a certain point, but like at the end, like, I know you were saying about we City had a bad run at the start of the season. I know you had a bad run especially at home between kind of January and February. Mm. But you still have to go out and get the points and, you know, merit that that finish of second, you know. And we, we did go out and do it. I, I understand where you're coming from about all the other teams and mm. the COVID situation and all. But we still had to go out and, and get the points to finish second. What disappointed me most last season, and I'm sure Darren and Greg and everyone would agree, was the, the Europa League final. Um, you know, to, to come so close, get beaten on penalties, but the way we got beaten, you know, on the obviously again Villarreal went one nil up and we needed that gave us a kick in the arse, but it was just it was an ideal opportunity to go out, win his first trophy. And I think if we had won that game, it would have brought a bit more momentum coming into the start of the season than it has. 
Mm. So I just, it's, it's, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's always frustrating being a football fan, but it has been so frustrating in the first seven games, you know. Yeah, I suppose when you go back and you look at that final as well, it was it was it was so much more than just the penalty shootout and the David mm. de Gea situation and all. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And I'm, I'm thinking maybe when you look back, if change does come, was that the time maybe to make the change? Because obviously, I mean, it, it's no secret the talks of Iran. I mean, the only and Sancho. I mean, you chased Sancho for two years nearly. Yeah, so yeah, the only yeah. surprise really was was the boy coming back, Ronaldo. I mean, yeah. you'd been in for Varane. You know, I mean, you got Maguire, you got Bruno, you brought these players in, you had Cavani and all these things. I I just wonder was after that final the time to make the change to bring in a world class quality manager who would bring in those players and solidify them and figure out how the way he wants to work. Mm. I, I'm thinking if a new manager came in, I don't see Donny van der Beek sitting on the bench. Mm. I don't see, I, I don't see him footing around. If you like trying to keep everyone happy, mm. I think what he'll do is he'll play people on he'll, Whoever comes in, if they do come in, will play people on their merits. Yeah. I, I think a real good world-class coach, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, might actually try and find a way to play Ronaldo and Cavani. Cavani together. You know what I mean? And yeah, I know where it from. I think, but I, th- I think what kind of saves Solskjaer a little bit was the distraction of the Euros this summer. I think mm. the minute the, the full-time whistle went of, against Villarreal, um, I think a lot of the players and you know media's attention turned straight to the Euros. Mm. And I think that helped them in a way because it took the, the spotlight off them for a few months. Mm. And then... You know, we, we stood behind them as a club and like I said, they, there's been no consistency though in the first seven games. So something has to change, something has to give. Mm. So let's let's draw a line under this, obviously. I mean, are you are you still all in or are you all out or are you somewhere in between or what do you think? What would you like to see happen as a Man United supporter? I'd, I'd love to see us over the next few games you know, play a certain type, a brand of football that we can identify and say, right, like at least we play that consistently. Um, I'd I'd, I'd like to, I don't know whether it's just pure kind of, you know, playing this Fred and McCominay thing. I I almost feel like he's doing it, you know, out of kind of like just to stick two fingers up with the fans and the media sometimes, you know, that's a boy. Mm. Um, I want that to be sorted, but you know, I'm looking and I'm saying, like, it's, are we going to win the league? Are we going to win the Champions League? Are we going to have Solskjaer here for five, six years? Let's say win the trophies. I just don't see it. Really don't see it. And, and it's upsetting. Like, it's, he, like, like you mentioned earlier, he's, he's, like, uh, he's a club legend. You yeah. can't forget what he's done, but it's a different time. It's a different period. And he's, mm. he's under a lot of pressure, you know? Yeah, I think the romance of him winning a trophy there would be huge for the United fan base. Um even regardless of what the trophy is, just to get him over this whole semi-final, final type thing. Hmm. Um, and I think we probably would be looking at a very different situation if he had gotten over the line in that Europa League final. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that would buy him a hell of a lot more. I, I think sometimes when I listen to him talk, it, it's like when he calls out, say, when he called out Klopp, say, indirectly on that hmm. thing. I'm looking at it going, you haven't got the stature in the game to be doing this. Um, you haven't achieved what you need to achieve to do this. If this is Fergie, 
I'm all over it. And probably at times I'm nearly enjoying it because I used to love the stuff with Keegan and I used to yeah. love the stuff. You, you can't but not enjoy that banter when it kicks off and stuff like that with Wenger yeah. and stuff like that and Benitez and all, even though I'm a Liverpool fan. But still, it was it was entertaining. Yeah, because you, but, you, it's like the snooker back in the day. You need those type of characters to, yeah. you know, entertain the fans. And, yeah. the, you know, there's hardly any of those in the game anymore. But see, nine times out of ten when Fergie did it, he got the right reaction. Yeah. Because he got the negative reaction on the other side that turned and caused and turned the game slightly yeah. to his advantage. It was like a chess game with him. I think with Solskjaer, when he does things like this, people just laugh at him and they go, mm. you know what yeah. I mean? Because I know, I know when Klopp came out earlier in the year and started talking about the penalties you were getting. I was kind of a little bit disgusted on Barris Boy as well. I thought he was just, he was feeling the pressure, obviously, of a tough season. Yeah, I, yeah. I was going, that's not what we're about. This isn't, yeah. like, get on and let's manage our own stuff here. Let's manage yeah, what we yeah. control. Don't be worrying about what other people are doing. Because I remember it came at the time that you had lost to kind of West Brom at home and Burnley at home and stuff like that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was kind of like nearly, it felt nearly like a deflection technique. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and my, my, my sort of course at the time was, we need to get our own shit together here, guys, before right, we start worrying about what anyone else is doing. We can't affect what penalties Man United get. All mm. we can do is affect our own team. So let's focus on that because that's where it needs to be. Yeah. And then when I heard him last week, obviously going off on it, I mean, he, I, I know Solskjaer, he'll always have an axe to grind about Liverpool anyway. I mean, the rivalry there, he was in the yeah, height that's, of it for years. Yeah, that's never going to go away, yeah. isn't it? Like, but it's, it, it's nearly, um, he comes across at times with it that it's nearly petulant. You know, that like it's it, it's not 99 or 2000 anymore or 98 or, you know, this is 2021. It's a yeah. totally different situation. Um, but you, you think stick with them anyway through the next series of games? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. By Christmas, it could be a different story, you know. You, you could be staying into January um, with an FA Cup and only to play for, you know. Yeah, I think at that stage it would be toxic, wouldn't it? Mm, with the players that have come in. Definitely, especially well, look, with all the fans. Yeah, well, look, it's been a pleasure having you on to have a Thanks chat about this. And, and I know, like, it's, you know, there's not much in it in the table at the moment. It's it, mm. it's only a win or whatever it is and the difference, you know what I mean, from the way the table flip-flops. But I, I would have, looking at the fixtures, I would have thought United going into this, this break would have had, as you said, maybe three or four points on everyone else because everyone mm. else had so much tougher fixtures. Yeah. Um, and like, like I said, you look at the teams around us, the, the other teams are playing much better football than we are hmm. so I think it's that that is, is appeasing the fans as well that we're, you know we might be two points off Chelsea hmm. but they've a, they've a lot more strength and depth and they're playing a lot better football than we have anyway hmm. and and they've also gotten ourselves and City out of the way hmm. Hmm. you know for this half, yeah. for this half yeah. of the season yeah. anyway you know which is huge yeah you know? exactly um, well look Pleasure having you on. This has been our midterm report for Manchester United and Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Mark is still sticking with the program for the moment. The jersey is still hanging behind. He's still Oli in. Still hasn't gotten over the 99 treble, but however. <laughs> living in the past. Till next time, Dynamo Podcast Network on YouTube. The at the underscore upper underscore tier on Twitter, the upper tier on Facebook and Instagram. And we will be doing a number of these report cards for a number of managers over the next two weeks. Because I'm looking, looking forward to hitting the Spurs one now. Come on, yeah. Graham, step up. We just don't like international football. That's it. <laughs> Till that's next time. Great. A pleasure, my man. Cheers, guys.